So let's start this way. Let's start this way. First of all, um, find yourself a pen. Find yourself a pen. Um, if you don't have one, just try to find one. And let's do this. I've got an exercise. Yeah, maybe a little further down. Yeah. I've got an exercise. This is for freshmen only. For freshmen only, okay? But this is a verbal exercise, freshmen. So you have to participate with me, okay? You okay with that? Okay, you got me. Okay. So, freshmen, I want you to throw out at me verbs that we normally associate with God. Verbs that we normally associate with God. Okay, so, so um, I'll give you an example. We blank God, or we blank in God, or we blank unto God. So pray. We got pray here. Yeah. Worship. Believe. Praise. 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 Love. What was that back there, Ray? Trust. Cullens. Cullens all over it. What's up, Cullens? What else? Glorify. Oh, say it loud. Oh, say it loud. Oh, say it again. Say it again. Did y'all did y'all get that? One more time, one more time. Enjoy. 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 Okay, so it's very, very normal. It's very normal for us to right away think of things um, like obey or worship or pray or glorify. All things that we're very used to serve. Serve would have been a good one. Sir, we serve God. All, all good, very good, right answers. Right answers. But why do you think, why do you think we don't more readily bring up the word enjoy? Why doesn't that come to our mind as quickly as some of the others? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, it took us a while, but we got there. We got there. Why don't we more readily think of the word enjoy as a verb closely associated with God? I think the answer is that we just don't know him that well. We just don't know him that well. You know, um, the more you know someone, the more you appreciate and enjoy that person, right? Um, where, where's Carl? Carl, where are you at, big dog? You were just here. Carl! Okay, stand up, Carl. Now, you guys may not know this, but Carl is like Mr. Recording of the Singing Guy. <laughs> I, in a good way, in a good way. If, if you got some, uh, boy, I, oh man, I love this song, just full of praise unto Christ, and Carl is the man that can record that! He's the guy. I mean, a lot, a lot of you probably didn't know that. Sorry to put you on the spot, Carl. I, did, I, did I put you on the spot, real? A little bit, a little bit. But, but now that I know that about Carl, that he's a musician and he enjoys um, singing praise unto God and recording that and making it available, I enjoy my brother so much more. I appreciate that about him. Does that make sense? Okay, thank you, Carl. Um, I... I you guys may not know this either, but you know, uh, Jasmine's not in here, right? Good, I can talk about her if she's not in here. 
Oh, no. Oh, no. Jasmine's a great athlete. She's a great athlete. A lot of times she's much better than the brothers. You know what I'm saying? Now, just, she's a great athlete. The more you know about a person, the more you can enjoy of them. So I think the reason we don't more readily think of the enjoyment of God is because we just don't know him that well. Okay, if you've got your packets here, a lot of you are already there. Turn to the outline for message one. And I see a lot of you got your pens out. That's what's up. What page is that outline on? 15, page 15, turn to page 15, and let's read, let's read these two verses here at the top, these two verses from Psalms. Okay, let's read that first one, Psalm 43, 4, ready, go. Underline that, God, my exceeding joy. Isn't that incredible? Did you know there was a verse in the Bible that said that? I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. That's incredible. The psalmist here, he experienced something of God that probably a lot of us, we're just not quite there yet, right? We're just not quite there yet. Maybe we've never written that in our, I know like, no, I, I mean, I feel like nobody keeps diaries anymore, but we probably never texted that, you know what I mean? God, my exceeding joy. Probably, or, or hit that with a snap, you know what I mean? The selfie and then the little caption. God, my exceeding joy. We probably never thought of that. Okay, let's read uh, Psalm 1611 together. Ready, go. Underline fullness of joy. And underline pleasures forever. You know, there's joy in so many things that God has created. I mean, it's, it's awesome, like uh, Edith was pointing out the moon. I mean, we can't see the moon in here, but the moon is, like, beautiful tonight. There's some joy in just examining God's creation. But fullness of joy, fullness of joy can only be found in one place, and that's with God. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are what? Pleasures forever. Pleasures forever. So as we move down here, obviously this message is on enjoyment. And in the New Testament alone, in the New Testament alone, there are over 300 different aspects of Christ revealed in the New Testament. Actually, there was a brother... Uh, among us recently who read the New Testament and he counted over 400 over 400 different aspects of Christ in the New Testament if somebody was going to write a biography about you how many aspects would they be able to pull out maybe two right I mean that's what I'm thinking like like I mean maybe three I don't know but God is so wonderful and magnificent, and incredible, and awe-inspiring, that the New Testament writers, they're creating spiritual words to produce the incredible reality of who God is. In the New Testament alone, which is just 27 books, you can read it like that. If you do three and a half minutes a day, you read it, nine months, done. Over 400 different aspects of Christ. 
Which is why I'm so pumped that this, in this 28 hours, which is not 28 hours anymore, it's less, um, we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians. Because in the book of 1 Corinthians, there's at least, at least 20 different aspects of Christ. You have them here in this little box here. I don't know if you know this, if you've never read the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is a letter to the church in Corinth. That's where the name comes from, the first letter to the church in Corinth. And that church was full of problems, full of problems. So many that it would probably scare you. That's one you'd kind of want to run out of there. Like, oh, i think I got to get out of here. Pretty scary, pretty scary, all the problems they had going on. And I won't, I won't get into all that, but I will get into the prescription that Paul gives them. Paul's there as the, uh, the spiritual medical doctor. He's trying to take care of his spiritual children. And he's, ooh, man, a lot of problems. A lot of problems. I got brothers suing one another. Oh, man, I got, oof, I got problems I don't even want to mention got going on. Um, you know what you need? You need Christ in so many aspects that you've yet to know him. As Paul unveils in so many different aspects of who Christ is, it's almost like he's saying, yeah, you got a ton of problems, but i got one medicine for you, and it's more of Jesus. It's more of Jesus than you've yet to know. You know him as the Lamb. Praise God. But maybe that's it. Christ is so much more. Christ is so much more. He's our God-given portion in one, two. He's God's power. And what you have to ask yourself as we look at all these different aspects is, not have I heard that before? Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. You know what? That doesn't mean you've experienced it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know that. I know that. The I know disease will rob you of Christian experience. Oh, I know that. I heard about that before. It means nothing. What you need to ask is, do I have a personal story in relation to each one of these aspects that I could relate? So when I hear of Christ as God's power, I could tell you about a specific time where Jesus met me and manifested himself in my life and was power to me to get up and out of a certain situation. Or he was God's wisdom to me. I discovered that of all the knowledge I'm seeking, actually, I'm really looking for Christ. And I've got a personal story that I can share with you about that. Or our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, the Lord of glory, the depths of God. What if you had a personal story to share when Jesus came to be the depths of God to you? How about that? Do you have an experience of Christ in that aspect. The foundation of God's building, our Passover, unleavened bread, spiritual food, spiritual drink, spiritual rock, the head, the body, the first fruits of resurrection, the second man, the last Adam, the life-giving spirit. How about it? Jesus is so much. He's so much. There is an unlimited store for us to tap into and know. And God would become enjoyable, so enjoyable to us. So, our knowledge of Scripture needs to go from mere manual instruction. You ever gotten a, a manual before? 
You get like some like cool electronic thing and it's got this giant manual that folds out like 14 different ways. And then you got 25 instructions to read how to piece this thing together. A lot of times that's how we consider scripture. Basic instructions before leaving earth. The Bible. I just read it, kind of figure out oh, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. And our knowledge of scripture needs to go from mere instruction manual to a menu that we order from and take in and enjoy from mere manual to menu that we order from experience enjoy so Paul he doesn't just show us the menu he shows us how to order okay so I want to give you some how I want to give you some practical I want I want this to meet you where you are as an 18 year old at the University of Texas I want this to meet you where you are Okay, let's all read this little subtitle here, How to Enjoy. Read, let's all read that. Ready, go. How to enjoy Christ. Call. Okay, how to enjoy Christ. Call. Okay, a lot of times enjoyment we think should be intuitive, especially in the physical world. Okay, if it's, uh, if it's a show, I watch it. That's easy. I already know how to do that. If it's a game, I play it. Um, it's just intuitive. If it's, a, if it's a book, I read it. I already know how to do that. But... In the spiritual realm, brothers and sisters, things are a little more abstract. So we need some practical help. We need some how-tos. If you show me a game, I can basically figure out how to play it. The same thing with an iPhone. You give me an iPhone, I basically know how to open the thing up and get it working. and Pretty intuitive. But in spiritual matters, things are a little more abstract. And so what we need from the Bible and from godly counsel from the brothers and sisters is we need some how-tos. We need some practicals that will make God enjoyable to us, okay? So, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and 9. And I want you to look for, I've already given you the big hint. I mean, I wrote it in the thing, you know what I mean? How to enjoy Christ's call, okay? But let's pretend you didn't know that. And let's read these verses here, okay? And we'll look for the secret for how to enjoy Christ that Paul gives us in the first few verses of this book. Okay, let's read 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and 9 all together. Ready, go. First thing I want you to do is underline fellowship. Underline it. Underline fellowship. And I'm going to give you a definition for what fellowship is. Fellowship is joint participation. Write that down. The definition of fellowship is joint participation. So one of my uh, favorite fellowships to have is the fellowship of Bluebell ice cream. It's one of my favorite fellowships to have. It's the joint participation, meaning there's a few of us. And we've got two or three uh, tubs of Bluebell ice cream, and we jointly participate. <laughs> Love it. Also, a big fan of uh, the joint participation of Whataburger. Huge fan. Huge fan. Much better than In N Out, in my opinion. In my opinion. In my opinion. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Let's, you know, don't start a mob or anything. Okay. This, what kind of fellowship is this? 
What kind of fellowship is Paul talking about? Is he talking about bluebell ice cream, the fellowship of bluebell ice cream? He's talking about the joint participation of his son. So meaning all the believers, what do we do? We jointly participate in, hashtag enjoy. We jointly participate in his son. Okay, now I want to step you back to the, to the verse before. First of all, Paul says to the church of God, which is in Corinth, that means the believers who lived in the city of Corinth. Okay, and then he references all the other believers on the earth. But he describes them in a very, to me, being a Christian from 2016, very peculiar way. Okay, to the church of God, which is in Corinth. I get that. But listen to how he describes all the other believers on the earth. Underline this. All those who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. All those who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This call here, I want you to circle it. I want you to write this down. This call here is epikalio. Epikalio. Epi means out. Kalio means call. All those who out call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what out call means? It means audibly like this. Lord Jesus! It means call out loud. It means audibly use your voice to call out loud upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what we don't know now is that this was such a common practice for the first century church that when Paul is thinking, how will I do, I just kind of want to give like a name for just every other believer uh, on the earth. Oh, I got it. All those who call out loud. On the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We might say, uh, to the church of God which is in Corinth and all those who carry their Bible to the meeting. I'm just thinking of a practice. Or those who um, raise their hands in worship. I don't know. I'm just, all those who uh, get baptized at some point in their life because they've repented and believed in Jesus. That might be something a little more common for us. But in the early church, they did something that for most of us is completely lost and unknown. And actually, when you think of it, you might think, oh, that's kind of funny. The early Christians practiced calling out loud on the name of Jesus. And I want you to think about this. You know, Paul, before he was Saul, and he was a guy who persecuted Christians. He was a very uh, zealous Jew. And the Christians at this point were mostly Jews. They were mostly Jewish. And for a long time, they actually still met in the synagogues. And so there wasn't like, they didn't like start wearing cross necklaces or something. You could like tell like, oh, you walk in the synagogue. Oh, the Christians sit over here. I can tell because they're all wearing crosses on their neck. No, they're just all Jews. They're just all Jews that are seeking God. They didn't like uh, get. They didn't like all like get scripture tattooed on them. They didn't like uh, you know all listen to the same worship band, and that's how you could you know. Oh, those must be the Christians. I hear them. Yeah, I hear that song that I kind of know. No, but they did do something that Saul of Tarsus. They did do something that would make clear who the believers in Jesus were. And you know what they did. They called out loud on the name of Jesus. Let's read Acts 9, 14 together. Ready, go. 
Saul, you want to go get some Christians. How are you going to find them? It's easy. I'll just find the Jews that call out loud on the name of Jesus. So you know, like, something that's very common for us is to uh, pray to God as Father. You know, that's actually not completely out of the ordinary for Jews. If you read the Old Testament, there's actually a few times where they reference God as their Father. So, let's just say we're walking into the meeting. Let's say I'm Saul of Tarsus and Jackson. Jackson is in this meeting and he's praying to the Father. And I'm Saul of Tarsus. Jackson, start praying to the Father, bro. Just give us a kind of a... No, just a bunch of regular Jews in here, man. We good. We might find some Christians down the street, maybe. That's what Saul of Tarsus would have done. You know what he did when he was trying to find Christians? He just listened. Who's audibly calling on Jesus? If you're not audibly calling on Jesus, hard for me to tell. Hard for me to tell. What was Saul instructed to do when he got saved? Acts 22.16. Let's read it all together. Ready, go. How about that? Saul persecuted all who called out loud upon the name of Jesus. And then when he himself was getting saved, he was instructed, Saul, what's wrong with you, dog? Why do you delay? Rise up and be baptized. Doing what? Calling on his name. You have to think, if you're God Almighty, and you want everyone to be able to receive you, people who don't know how to read, people who haven't grown up in 21st century America, people who don't have 14 Bibles available to them at their fingertips on their smartphone. How will you reach all of mankind and make yourself available if you're God? As simple as opening your mouth and calling from a pure heart upon his name. Now, brothers and sisters, my question to you is, if Paul was here, and he was walking the University of Texas, and he's looking to persecute Christians, would you be arrestable? Could he walk up behind you while you're going to class? If he did that, would he audibly hear you calling upon the name of Jesus? If he listened to your prayer, would he know I got a believer. See how she really enjoys audibly calling on the name of Christ. I got one. How often do you find the name of Jesus on your lips? And not just saying it, but even crying out to him, Lord, I need you. Lord Jesus, Lord. It's sad that this Sweet, simple contact of God has been lost among us. It's been lost. Lord Jesus, so simple, so pure. Lord Jesus, I, did, I woke up late. I didn't read my Bible because I was stumbling out of there and I'm on my way to class. But Lord Jesus, I love you. Calling on the name of Jesus. 
Let's read Romans 10:12. Let's read it all together. Ready? Go. Answer this question in your heart. Is Jesus rich to you? We know Jesus is rich. But that's not the question. The question is, is Jesus rich to you in your experience? Is Jesus rich to you in your experience? Well, I'd like him to be, but I just... I don't know. I mean, I, I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can. I mean, I, I got, you know, kind of got involved with the brothers, and I, you know, I went to this conference. I went on this mission trip, and I, I don't know. I still don't feel qualified, and I know I should be better, but is Jesus rich to you? You don't have to fly halfway across the world. You can just call on Jesus' name. He is rich to all who epikaleo call out loud on his name. So, to wrap up here, brothers and sisters, I know I've got to wrap up. We need to have a change of concept. We need to have a change of concept. Um, I think a lot of us, a lot of us, we know God's deserving of my service. God's deserving of my worship. I'm not always that excited to give it to him, but I know he's deserving, and I'm supposed to. He's deserving of my obedience. He's done a lot for me, so I know I, try to need, I need to kind of try to repay the favor. So I'm going to do my best to, man, live a good life and just repay God the favor, you know, because he's done a lot for me. So it's tough, you know, but I do my best, and, man, I, I, mean, I try to go to church as much as I can, and... Praise God. We need a change of concept. Psalm 116, 12 through 13 says, What shall I return to Jehovah for all his benefits toward me? You ever had that thought? Wow, man, God's done so much, and man, I'm trash. <laughs> what shall I, man, what can I do, man? Maybe, maybe if I go on that mission trip, man, yeah. I should do it, you know, just repay God the favor. Don't get me wrong, I love mission trips. I love mission trips. I want you all to go on mission trips. You know, man, I, I probably should go to church today. I mean, man, God's been good to me, you know. I'll do it, man. He deserves it. The psalmist here has revelation in this verse. What, what can I do for God for all he's done for me, man? I just, I want to pay him back and man, I know I should. And What can I do for Jehovah because he's done a lot for me? Stop. You can stop and you can have a change of concept. Read what the psalmist says here. I will take up the cup of salvation. You know, to take something is to receive. When you take up a cup, you're receiving something. It would be like Will, let's say Will Wang is great at biology, which he is. And Will's going to tutor me. And Will does a great job tutoring me. And then at the end of it, I say, Will, man, you've done so much for me. Man, I want to pay you back. What can I do? And Will says, well, I don't know, man. How about you drink this sweet tea I made? I say, well, I mean, I, yeah, I'll do that. But I kind of wanted to pay you back, man. I'm just receiving more from you, actually. 
So, I, I, so I'm not talking about receiving more from you. I'm not talking about you doing more for me. I wanted to kind of do something for you. So how can I pay you back for all that you've done for me? And he says, well, I don't know. How about you eat this sandwich I made you? <laughs> no, man, I, I don't think you really got it. I was wanting to pay you back. Wait, you're telling me you just want me to receive more from you to pay you back? Yeah. <laughs> you see the change of concept? What can I do for Jehovah for all he's done for me? I just, uh, man, I, I'm going to do my best to live right and uh, stop. Take up the cup. Take the cup. You see, the psalmist here has revelation. He has revelation. Me doing my very best to try to repay God and be a good little boy for the rest of my life doesn't mean much. Doesn't mean much. And it's not what God wants. You know what God wants? God wants me to receive more from Him. God wants me to enjoy. I'll take up the cup of salvation. You know, the whole world is convinced that drinking is enjoyable. Did you know that? The whole world's convinced of that. The, the world drinks alcohol. That's enjoyable for some amount of time. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it. The world drinks achievement. The world drinks entertainment. The world drinks relationships. The world drinks material goods. Why do they do that? So that they can temporarily forget about all the mess and enjoy. The world drinks a lot of things. The experience is temporary. And the source is forgetting for just, just at least this much, for just forgetting what's really going on. You know what the church drinks? The church drinks salvation. The church drinks salvation. Does that sound good? Sound good to me too. And you know what? That enjoyment is not temporary, it's eternal. You know what the source of that enjoyment is? It's not forgetting. It's not, oh, man, if I can just kind of forget my problems, man, my condition and what's going on for a while, man, that'd be good. The source is remembering the person and work of Christ, all that he's done for us. So we can do one of two things. We can spend the whole of our life going from cup to cup to cup to cup to cup to cup to cup, trying to temporarily forget who we are, where we're from, our insignificance and all our problems to have some enjoyment. Or we can drink salvation and we can start having eternal joy right now that will last into eternity. Does that sound good? Does it sound good to enjoy God? Now I have a question for you. How? How would, how would you do that? How would you drink salvation? How? Call. Finish the verse. I'll take up the cup of salvation. And do what, psalmist? Call upon the name of Jehovah. So, brothers and sisters, I want you to be simplified. And I also want you to be satisfied. 
I want you to be simplified, and I want you to be satisfied. I challenge you. I challenge you. You know, tomorrow we're going to practice having some time with Jesus. We're going to practice. It doesn't mean it's going to go great. We're going to practice. I challenge you, would you be simplified in your prayer to just audibly call on the name of Jesus for one minute? Just a minute. Just look at your watch. Set it 60 seconds. Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus. Lord. Lord Jesus. You don't need to say so much. Just call. How about five minutes? Would you be simplified to just believe the word of God that God will be rich to me if I epikaleo on his name? Would you just be simplified and give it a try? If you're simplified to do just this, you might find that you end up satisfied and full of the eternal, wonderful joy of God. I want that for all of you. I want it for all of you. So while you're here, you've got, oh, about 24 hours or so left. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. We love Jesus. We love Jesus. Don't be ashamed to find the name of Jesus on your lips. Don't be ashamed to even call out loud like you're taking a big cup. Lord Jesus! Don't be ashamed. Who's going to look at you side-eye? Oh, you ain't cool. Who's going to do that? <laughs> Who's going to do that? Tell me, if somebody does that, tell me and I'll have a talk with them, okay? No, never mind. I'll have Ishan talk to them, okay? don't be ashamed. Be simplified just to call on his name and be satisfied. Okay, what we'll do now is I'll pray and then our MCs will turn over and take us to our next thing. Lord, we love you. We, uh, Jesus, Jesus, Lord Jesus, Jesus, Lord, Lord Jesus, we love you. Oh, we love you. Lord, we like to drink salvation. Lord, make us the enjoyers. We'd know God as our exceeding joy. We'd know your presence as fullness of joy. Lord, teach us to call on your name. We'd be simplified just to call out loud on your name. Lord, your name would be found on our lips, in our hearts. We love you, Jesus. Make us the top enjoyers. Thank you, Lord. Amen.